You are listening to the Enterprise Ireland Evolve UK podcast. So, hello everybody, and you're very welcome to another podcast in our Evolve UK series. Uh, today is a first of a series of In Conversation With podcast, and today I'm in conversation with Eamon Carey. Uh, Eamon is a, a great friend to Enterprise Ireland, um, and he's been a great friend uh, to me as well, working alongside him on a number of events for Digital Irish in, in London as well. So for those of you that don't know, Eamon is the MD of Techstars, which is one of the world's um, most recognised and well-respected global uh, seed investors and accelerator programmes. Uh, Eamon is also a partner at The Fund, which is a community of founders and investors and is an early stage investor himself. So. Eamon, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, thanks very much for having me. It's a uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks very much. And uh, I suppose at the minute, are you working from home or are you back in the office or how is that kind of going for you? <laughs> I'm working from my neighbour's house today. We're um, so we've been been on lockdown uh, out of our office for for the last four months. We closed in in early um, early March. And so we've been working from home in in London, in North London, since then. Um, and in the midst of all of it, my some of my neighbours are getting construction work done. So um, to find a quiet spot, I've, we've kind of thank you to Ed and Tori who've uh, who've okay. let me use their place to, so that you don't have the the whatever drilling they're doing today. It sounds like I've got a, a kind of a special effects department from Star Wars in the apartment next to me. But um, <laughs> we're we're still at home, hoping I would hope in the next kind of you know couple of weeks that we'll be able to get back into the office even just on a kind of part-time basis or even just a couple yeah. of days a week um but but keeping our fingers crossed for that we have the new Techstars program starting in in early september so i'm hopeful that we'll be able to do at least some of that uh process in in person with the companies great stuff great stuff. and have you um have you kind of done the whole program virtually so far kind of on board with new companies or how has that worked yeah, we've so I suppose from a Techstars perspective, we've been running remote programs for the last couple of years. So, so my colleague Ryan Cooter uh, runs the Techstars Anywhere program um, at, a, at a, where he lives in San Diego, um, and and we set that up a couple of years ago because we noticed that there were companies and, and founders who, for a variety of different reasons, would you know maybe they had kids or elderly parents or, or you know illnesses or other reasons that. They couldn't maybe travel to London or New York or LA for for three months, and so we thought, how do we bring TechStars to them? And 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 as a result, have been running um, virtual programs and virtual demo days and all of these different things for 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 the last kind of uh, four years, now three and a half or four years. And so the the good thing from our perspective, when we started going into lockdown and when we started having to to close some of our offices. Uh, around the world was that we already had a really robust operational playbook to allow us to go fully virtual um and and most of the programs that that are running at the moment are are fully virtual techstars new york and la are fully virtual at the moment our, our techstars tel aviv program has had some uh in-person days and and some virtual and and we'll run a hybrid program in in london as well where we'll hopefully have some of the components in person and and then some um delivered virtually just because i'm i'm still you know the techstars program involves a lot of people coming in and out of the office and so we're, yeah. we're probably going to minimize a little bit of that uh this year and kind of create a, a bubble as it were around the companies and then do some of the mentoring and workshops uh deliver those virtually but um yeah we're, we, we've been all the recruitment phases you know normally i'm, I'm kind of travel 50 or 60 percent of my time early in the year but uh 
but yeah, this year we did it all, did it all virtually and, and, and over Zoom. And, you know, the good news is um, it, it worked, you know, it was, yeah. you, you miss some of the connections that you get with people by, by physically going to, to a country, but you know, it, it didn't have any impact on the companies applying or, or on the, the, well, I hope it didn't have an impact on their experience of, of going through the selection process. Certainly the feedback we've had is that it didn't. Yeah, no, super. And I know, like, you, you were a, a contributor to our own mentoring program, Scale UK, this year that we, we, we went online and went virtually. And again, it, again, you still get a lot of the benefits out of it. And uh, yeah, it's super. It's amazing. The, so the new normal has been the normal for, uh, for tech stars for a number of years ahead of the curve. And we try our best. We try our <laughs> best. But it, 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 I mean, it, it is good that, you know, for, for, our, for the founders going through our programs that, you know, when this happened in, in, in kind of February and March, you know, we were running a program in, in Turin in northern Italy, and, and they were obviously the first region in, in yeah. this part of the world to lock down. And, you know, for them to be able to kind of really have a, a, a seamless transition into, into virtual and to have a platform for virtual demo days that we were able to activate and, and to see the positive feedback that we've had and the, the level of kind of international engagement that, that the virtual demo days have given us and the virtual mentor, mentoring has given us is, is, is really remarkable. And I think it will, you know, not just for us, for, you know, I see YC are, are going yeah. fully virtual with all of their demo days. And I think others will, like, a, you know, this is a change that was going to happen. And and the fact that, you know, we've, we've got this kind of coronavirus epidemic now is, you know, it's just, it's, it's speeding up something that was coming down the pipes anyway, I suspect. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely agree. And we, we'll probably touch a bit on that a bit later on in uh, our conversation. But just maybe to give some of the listeners uh, a bit of a flavour of of Amy Carew, we might do a few quick fire questions. Uh, which, uh, that's all right with you? For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we we kick it off. So I suppose that with us working in tech and some tech companies uh, listening in, is there any kind of favourite gadget or app or or tool that you're using at the minute that's really kind of yeah, uh, you're really happy with and finding very useful in your day-to-day life. So I've I've started uh, with the the Aura Ring. Um, so it's a Finnish company, and they've they've built developed this smart ring technology. Um, so it looks, I mean, it looks a little bit like a ring that I would have worn when I was kind of a 16 year old goth hanging around in 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 Dublin. But um, it tracks your sleep, uh, and so it tracks your respiration rate and your heart rate and and your light sleep and deep sleep and and, and lots of other areas. Um, and I think like a lot of people, I've, you know, one of the things that I'm conscious of with, with everything that's going on at the moment is kind of physical health and, and, and mental health and, and making sure that you're kind of taking care of yourself when, you know, we're, we're, I, someone made a joke the other day that I have to admit I agreed with where, you know, we're not working from home anymore. We live at the office. And so yeah. I think making sure that you get a kind of bit of balance in your life is important. And so the Aura Ring has become now that their app is the first thing that I open in the morning to see, you know, did I get the right amount of sleep? Did I get the right amount of deep sleep? Am I, you know, it, it, it kind of gives you some recommendations around your activity and habits and allows me to see things like, okay, if I have a, if I have a glass of red wine before I go to bed, or if I eat a big heavy meal at a certain time, how does that affect my, my sleep? So that's been really interesting. And, and I'm a total, total addict and, and, and not quite a slave to, to its recommendations just yet, but um, <laughs> I'm not far off. Well, you're getting there. You're getting there. Yeah, um, they're training me. And a, a great light. It's a really valid point as well about us kind of living at the office rather than working from home. That's a, that's a good line. Um, def- we definitely have to be conscious of giving ourselves the, the respite as well uh, and looking after the well-being. So top tip there, Eamon. Thanks, William. Um, I suppose the, the other one then, uh, again, linked when you say living at home or, or sorry, working at home and uh, 
and, and being involved in accelerators and, and startups, I think that's intrinsically linked to caffeine and, and cups of coffee to, <laughs> to keep people going. Uh, I think it's an essential part of it. So is, is there any place that, that you'd recommend uh, to get a cup of coffee or any place that's particularly you enjoy a, a good cu- a coffee out of? There's there's a place that's, that's kind of my, I suppose, sanctuary from the office and, and a place where I do a lot of meetings in, in the morning just around the corner. So our office is in, in Shoreditch in, in East London, which is where a lot of the, the kind of tech community in, in London are based. And there's a place there called Ozone Coffee. I think they now have a, a couple of other branches around uh, London. But it's just a really, really good uh, cup of coffee, you know, really good food there as well. It's it's kind of become a hub for that community. So if you go in, you'll see a bunch of people from Google or Seedcamp or TransferWise or, you know, various different VC funds and, and startups. Um, and as it happens, my, my wife is from Taranaki in New Zealand. And uh, it turns out the owners of Ozone Coffee are from Taranaki in New Zealand. So uh, there's some tiny little crossover with my uh, with my personal life as well. But yeah, they do an amazing, an amazing, amazing, amazing um, flat white. And it's it's on my walk. If I'm lazy and take the bus to the office, it's on the walk to uh, to the office. So I'm a pretty frequent flyer in there. Good stuff. We'll uh, we'll send them on the recording of this podcast, and it might be uh, a free one for you when you're you're heading back into the office. I'll take my discount exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then lastly, if there was a if there was a specially commissioned come dine with me, Eamon Carey episode, <laughs> uh, tomorrow, and you got to invite uh, three guests, who would be the three uh, dinner guests you'd have at the table? I think it's, it's this always a really interesting question. I think if you know given the, the amount of time that we've been in lockdown and how long it's been since I've been home, I would give almost any amount of money to be able to go back to the Navin Road and have a bacon and cabbage with my mum, my dad, and my <laughs> my brother, and maybe a, a, a sneaky pint or two in the breffy or the hole in the wall afterwards. But um, <laughs> for, I, that would be my, my ideal come dine with me at, uh, at this point. I and mean, I think if I were thinking about kind of, you know, I suppose well-known people outside of, and, I, and I'm always conscious of kind of the, that, balance between you know work and and a normal life and so i would kind of pick people from from areas i like outside of outside of the office so i'm a massive music fan um and a big fan of a band called biffy clyro and have been listening to a lot of interviews with their uh singer and songwriter simon neil recently and you're roughly the same age we have similar taste in music and turns out similar sense of humor so he would be number one um second one is uh, a lady called bianca bosker uh, who wrote a book called Cork Dork about the wine industry. And, and she's written, I mean, I'm a massive fan of, of everything that she's written. She she writes for The Atlantic um, over in, in the US. And so I think, A, she would bring uh, amazing uh, wine recommendations, but also she's written about everything from kind of, you know, witchcraft to to to, to foreign travel. And, and, and so would be a kind of good general uh, dinner party guest. And, you know, I think also then... Uh, it would just be be really interesting to have you know someone like a Rene Redzepi from Noma, who's just a real kind of foodie and, and and person who's kind of thinking a lot about the the future of of food and how we feed ourselves and, and various different things like that. So I think people from the food, wine, and music industry would make me would make me happy. But as I say, I think if I could get my mum, my dad, and my brother together, then Simon Neil and the others could have their own dinner party. Yeah, yeah, they can be in the shed, and you can tuck into the the bacon cabbage in the in the house. They can forage out in the back garden for something. Yeah, <laughs> super, super. I think there's a lot of people in the same boat. Uh, I think it, this time period has really brought back the simple things in life and, and how important they are. So definitely agree with you on that. 
Um, I suppose as well, just kind of maybe for some of the listeners, it might be good to maybe talk a bit about your journey to to where you are. So obviously you're, as we mentioned, MD of of Techstars UK at the moment. But um, what has been your your journey to this point, and kind of where have you? What kind of roles and and uh, things have you done along the way? Yeah, so so I, I started out as a journalist. Um, so I studied journalism in in college, and and then went and worked for. I mean, this will tell you how old I am now. For for magazines like .ie and in Dublin and others, a variety of publications that no longer exist, which is hopefully not a damning indictment of of me, uh, more for the print industry. Um, and and from so kind of freelance there, and then in in two thousand two. I ended up going and working for for News Talk when effectively they were a startup. Uh, so they were a local radio station in Dublin, the first kind of Dublin only talk radio license. So uh, went in there and worked on a show called Off the Ball and was one of the first producers on on that. And from there went to to RTE for 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 a couple of years. And um, after some time at RTE, decided to start my own company. Uh, so I had a couple of friends who were um working in in the ad industry and and with big brands and they were saying hey we want to do more stuff online and and brands want to see more content online and on mobile and i was trying to kind of push the 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 kind of internet and mobile agenda internally at rte and somebody thought well hang on i was really lucky to learn how to code when i was younger and had always been involved in kind of tinkering around with computers and the internet and i thought well i can i can do the coding side of things i can do the content side of things and i have all of these people who have money that they that they want to spend on, on 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 content and so i started a company 15 years ago with a with a friend of mine in dublin um and so we ran that company for for a couple of years you know effectively like a digital agency working with o2 and three and nike and adidas and, and lots of others and expanded this uh you know did some work in the uk and out in the middle east and out in, in, out in korea um and ended up selling selling that company and and then uh, did a, a games company with a couple of friends that, that we were also lucky enough to, to to sell and you know from there kind of started um, trying to really I suppose help help other companies um, who wanted to expand internationally so uh, a company called Keep out of San Francisco who were looking to to open up in Europe and the Middle East I kind of did their first couple of deals and helped with hiring people there and you know through that really got involved in in I suppose supporting other startups and, and got introduced to John Bradford, who was bringing Techstars to, um, uh, to who ended up bringing Techstars to London. This was before he he brought them across, and you know got it, loved that idea of mentoring companies and and helping them. And you know, I, I mean, most of my startup journey as a founder was characterized by all the mistakes that I made. So trying to help people kind of avoid those those mistakes was something I was really passionate about. And, so love mentoring. Ended up doing a little bit of of angel investing into into companies, and kind of very quickly found that uh, that that became a, a habit or an addiction. And <laughs> you know, have have kind of stayed with it. So in you know, mentored on a couple of Techstars programs here in London and in uh, Berlin and Tel Aviv, and and started kind of mentoring on other accelerator programs around the Baltics and other places. And invested in companies, joined a couple of boards, and and in 2015, the the Techstars folks asked if I'd be interested in coming in and investing um, and, and being an MD. So went out to New York and, and ran uh, the Techstars program with AB InBev uh, out there. So so got my kind of, uh, dip my toes in the water of the, the US venture scene, which was was really interesting. Um, and then came back to London in, in 2018 to run the, uh, the, the, the London program here and, and helped a friend out in Hong Kong with an accelerator he was running. So got a good bit of exposure to the kind of early stage world um, kind of on a on a global basis, and 
you know, now with with Techstars and with the fund where we're we're also investing kind of a pre-seed and, and seed stage in companies, you know, I'm I'm in the lucky position of kind of investing in, you know, somewhere between 20 and 30 companies uh, every year, you know, primarily across Europe, although, you know, I've I've invested in companies in Africa and Asia, um in the in the in the US as well. So I need a need a South American company to uh, to start collecting the full the full set of continents. But um, you know, for me the the opportunity of pre-seed and seed stage is 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 where I can I think hopefully help the most. And yeah. um I think where there's there's a lot of you know it took a couple of years I think for Europe to to find its feet. Um but you know we've now got some tremendous success stories not just in Europe but, but back home in Ireland as well. Yeah. Um and a lot of those founders are now starting to reinvest as 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 angel investors are starting to you know be supportive of of their local ecosystem and the wider European ecosystem and we see you know more secondaries and and more m a activity and 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 potential ipos and others coming down the pipe so you know for me this is a, a very exciting time to be involved in in venture in the, the european ecosystem yeah definitely there's been a a big kind of shift of focus to 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 europe and and, and the kind of opportunities that's there as well which is which is super to see um and i suppose like you've touched on there and we, we touched on previously the kind of disruption that 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 COVID has brought but with that becomes opportunities like I suppose for yourself obviously being intrinsically involved in 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 seed and as an investor and, and involved in tech stars where do you kind of see the real opportunity for for early stage tech companies as we come out of the the, the COVID-19 uh, situation? I think there's there's a couple of sectors that seem to have done particularly well over over the last little while so I mean, certainly any of the companies that I've invested in that are direct to consumer or, or you know, in, in the, well, in any direct to consumer space, mm-hmm. subscription, et cetera, anyone who's in the kind of food space, a lot that are in the kind of entertainment and, and, and gaming space, and some that are in kind of digital health and other, you know, productivity, education, et cetera. Uh, I think those are all areas that have, you know, really seen a, a, a boom in terms of, uh, user growth and revenue growth and, and retention and engagement and, and all of those things. Um, and I think that will continue, right? I, I think the, the genie is out of the bottle with uh, with working from home and, and and certainly the conversations I've had with colleagues and, and friends and portfolio companies. I've, I've yet to meet someone who's saying, I can't wait to go back to the office five days a week or I can't wait to go back to a co-working space. I think people will, will kind of you know work in some sort of hybrid fashion um, I, and as a result, I think tools like Teams and Slack and, and you know, all of these kind of productivity tools will, will get bigger and, and, and we'll see more innovation in that sector. Likewise, education, you know, the, I think people have realized that their children are, 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 are generally pretty nice. But if you're spending 24 hours a day with them and trying to educate them, they, they, they maybe take on a, a, a slightly different uh, vibe. And so I think we'll see a lot in the world of online education and, and particularly a little bit like how Slack penetrated the developer market initially, you know, I think we'll start to see kind of things bubbling up with, with individual teachers starting to adopt technology and, and potentially seeing that kind of spread across schools and and, and districts. Yeah. I, I think, you know, so so there are lots of sectors that I think will do well. I think the other big thing that's that's been particularly um, pronounced over, over the last four months is, and, and really actually probably in the last six weeks, it's it's properly come to the fore, is the ability to do business and build relationships over uh, over Zoom or over Skype or, or, or Hangouts or, or any other tool? You know, I think for anyone that, that in the enterprise sales world, so you know, some fintechs, healthcare, you know, companies that were selling into to big enterprises, 
you know, the first couple of months of or first couple of weeks of lockdown were tough because I think on both sides, everyone was trying to get used to the quote unquote new normal and, and trying to figure out what to do and when to do it and how to do it and, and, and everything else. Um, whereas I think now, you know, the, the last meeting I had was with a company that's, that's selling their technology. They, they've actually expanded into the US market without ever having gotten on a plane um, because they're now in a position to you know, build relationships and, and, and sell using, using Zoom. So I think, you know, the ability to go international quickly is, is pretty substantial as a, as a result of, of all of this as well. And I think the other thing is the, the ability, you know, I think what's been interesting is the extent to which everyone is a bit more human now. Um, and so if you're selling into, you know, some big wig at a, at a bank and you're going to their office in Canary Wharf on the, you know, 56th floor looking over a view that probably costs, you know, 5 million quid a year, you're in a kind of intimidating uh, position, right? You know, and, and, yeah. and they're in a position of power. Now, if you're talking to that same person and their cat is walking over and back in the background of the video, you know, the playing field has become a lot more level in terms of those relationships. And I think that's been really interesting to observe. You know, we've seen a lot of companies where, you know, the ones where maybe sales have slowed down, they've been able to focus on product and their product is now much better than it would have been um, if they'd been been still in sales mode for the last four months and, and no lockdown had ever happened. But even the ones that are still in sales mode, I, I think for a lot of them, they have much deeper relationships with their clients. And I think that if you're treating your clients like human beings, if you're building a personal relationship with them, you know, as well as a business one, that's something that I, I didn't really think would happen as quickly as it has, but it's a real opportunity uh, that that has opened up as a result of, of everything that's going on. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really interesting point because I suppose that is it's something that uh, you know a lot of companies and you know companies that come through to us and was Ireland are always looking for the network and you know you know we do a lot of uh, networking events to trying to create that that personal relationship. But I suppose like are you definitely seeing. The ability to continue to create a network through through online, through the likes of Zoom, and, and do those kind of online meetups. I think I think you have to work a little bit harder. Um, yeah. And I think one of the one of the big changes has been, yeah, I think Zoom and and you know, I mean, even I, I went to the virtual version of Collision uh, a while ago, and I've been to a bunch of kind of um, virtual conferences, and and you know, I think they all work, and 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 in some cases don't work in in similar ways, right? One of the big challenges yeah. is the you know, you, you can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation in Zoom and that's no problem at all. And in fact, I think it works really, really well. Um, but once you have kind of two or three people in a conversation, you know, even if you've done business meetings like this, but even if you've tried to kind of do a, you know, a Friday evening drinks with a couple of colleagues, like you don't have the same visual cues to kind of go, okay, I'm not, yeah. you can't tell if you're about to talk over someone else, basically. Um, so I think, you know, people have to make a little bit more effort and it does force you know, the, the companies that I've seen that are really good at networking in this new era are the ones that have just been very rigorous and systematic in terms of the research that they've done on on the people that they're trying to network with. So I did the, the Mentor Madness sessions for Techstars New York uh, last week and met four of the companies going through that program. And, and you could really tell the ones that had done a substantial amount of kind of, you know, stalking on, on LinkedIn or Twitter, you know, they had for their initial 15 minute meeting but really they had a bunch of questions that they that they really wanted to get through that were very relevant to me and my background and that i'd be able to help them with and you know as a result of doing that i'm like wow you you took your time to ask me something that's really thoughtful like i'm definitely going to have a second call with that company so i think you probably have to be a little bit more deliberate you need to be a little bit more 
you know, you need to nail your elevator pitch. You need to be able to get to the point really quickly because some of these kind of, you know, chat roulette type of networking things that you see at, uh, at Collision and, and on Hopin and others, you know, you probably only got five minutes. So you need to make sure that yeah. the first minute, or the first 30 seconds, you like really grab someone's attention and then, you know, have the ability to kind of move the conversation on. But, but certainly, you know, I think, you know, back to being human, I see way more VCs and way more big companies going, sure, I'll do, you know, no, no one is commuting anymore. So everyone yeah. probably has an extra hour or two every day. So I think a lot of people are open to just doing these, these kind of quick calls, but I think it's, it's a function of being really targeted and, and specific about what you want to talk about. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good point of have, having the research done and I suppose not being afraid to get to the point quite quickly because, you know, as I said, the, the time, time slots are short. So once yeah. the research is done, um, it, it's, it's utilizing that research quickly and not kind of dilly dallying or, or, or waffling through. Um, but it's great. It's great to hear and great to see that, you know, those relationships are still happening and uh, in, in a virtual world. Um, I suppose another question that might be relevant to um, some of the listeners and some of the companies uh, from, that are enterprise Ireland clients would be, I know with you being involved in Techstars, it is a global program. And I suppose, as, as you've mentioned previously, there's a lot more competition uh, coming globally. The likes of um, Europe there, you said, that's getting uh, stronger and stronger all the time. Um, and Techstars, again, being a global program. We've seen there's been some great Irish companies in the last number of years coming through Techstars, the likes of Offer recently on PropTech, Urban Fox, uh, uh, Othello, all, you know, really fantastic tech companies. But from your perspective, what what kind of makes those companies stand out in, in the kind of Techstars application process? And kind of, I suppose, linked to that, you know, what, how do you really stand out as a, as a startup or scaling company when you're targeting somewhere like the UK? I think, you know, for, for the companies that stand out in the, in the Techstars process, I think it's, there's a couple of things, you know, the, the mantra that we always use when we're selecting companies is, you know, the, the decision is based on team, 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 market traction idea. And I think if you, if you look at all of those teams, you know, I mean, Jennifer at Othello was a, a, you know, qualified lawyer, had seen this problem up close and personal, you know, had really kind of, um, understood the pain point on, on both sides of the equation, right, from both the, the, the client point of view and the lawyer point of view, and, um, you know, was really scratching an itch that, that, that she felt um, herself. And I think that's that's something that we're really interested in seeing is, is someone that's got a real passion for the product that they're building that that has a really strong founder market fit before they even get to, to, to product market fit. Um, so I think that's one area that, 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 you know, those companies have really stood out at head and shoulders. Um, and actually we've got two, two companies, two sets of Irish founders joining us on the next Techstars London program. And the same thing in, 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 in all of those cases, you know, when I was talking to the, the, the founding teams, it was just their, their passion, their expertise, their knowledge, their understanding of that market was was what really made them um, made them stand out. And then you're kind of looking more broadly at, well, do, do they have this founder market fit? But then do they have the ability to conceive of something and then deliver it? So can they yeah. can they build? Can they execute? Can they you know? And and then are they coachable? So you're going to come and do a TechStars program and meet a hundred mentors in in a month. You know, you need to be able to take advice and 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 you know and and synthesize the data that you're getting back and and make decisions based on that so you know there's a whole whole range of, of of factors that we that we look at and then it's also you know and i think this is something that that, that anyone who's who's from ireland will will be aware of is that 
you know, if you're, and, and certainly 15 years ago, this was how we thought about it when I was starting the first company was, you know, you can build a great business. You can build a, a phenomenal business just targeting the Irish market, but you probably can't build a really big global business or global yeah. scale business. Um, and so we need companies that are kind of thinking global from, from day one, companies that are coming in and going, yes, I want to do, you know, Techstars London, and I want that to be my jumping off point into the UK market. And then I want to be able to leverage the Techstars network to go to the US or to Singapore or to Australia or other places. So, you know, we want companies that have a vision and and, and that have a, um, you know, ambition and that, that, that have a, a an idea of how they might be able to leverage the, the network that we can provide and the network that they can create themselves to, to really kind of go global. So I think that's, that's what really stands out um you know for for us as we as we say ourselves enterprise ireland exactly you know because i think that's you know ultimately if you know you're coming through our program you're going to meet not only a bunch of mentors you're also going to meet a bunch of investors and a lot of those investors if they're from vc funds they're going to be looking at businesses going is this a company that can get to 100 million in arr within the next kind of five to eight years if so, it becomes a kind of, you know, potentially a, a billion dollar company and therefore something that can help me return my my fund if I get the right amount of ownership in it. And yeah. that's how, you know, that that's the kind of VC mindset. And and I'm not saying that's the right way for every company to go, but you know, that's that's how some of them will think. And that's, you know, how how companies certainly have to kind of think about um about presenting themselves. So you know, I think that's that's what stood out about uh, about a lot of those companies. And and in every case, you know, the, the companies that you mentioned just had really excellent founders and, and and founding teams and, and that good kind of complementary balance of of skill sets and yeah. you know to, to your second question about coming into the you know the, the the uk market i mean i think there's there's a few things i think you know i i personally made the mistake of and, and this may be something that's changing as a result of, of what's happening at the moment but i made the mistake of thinking that the uk was a market that i could kind of I get a flight to city airports every two weeks and, and that yeah. was it. I was kind of launched and, and ready to go here. Um, and, and actually to kind of, you know, there are still relationships that you have to build. There are still hoops that you have to jump through. There are still hands that you have, well, when you could shake hands, there were still hands that you had to shake. Um, so I think there is a, a, a presence component. And, and, and if I look back over the last couple of years of Techstars programs, the companies that came in, from overseas to do the program here in London. If I look at the ones that have been successful in the UK market, they were the ones that either hired someone here or some of their yeah. founding team stayed here and, and, and yeah. kind of, you know, really embedded themselves in the in the ecosystem. You know, some of the ones that have, have moved back, you know, they've been able to maintain some degree of success, but I think in some cases maybe they weren't, they, they've maybe missed some opportunities just by nature of not being here. And, you know, the same is equally true in in New York, right? I, I, I try to go back to New York you know, three, four times a year because yeah. if I don't, I, I won't keep my network there alive. And so, you know, all of these things are are, are really, really um are, are really important to, to think about. So I think for me that's that's one of the biggest things is really think about your your presence here and how you can kind of take advantage of of the market and, and how you can hire and, and grow and and scale yeah. and, and that doesn't have to be you know in london there's lots of other places if you're hiring staff that are substantially cheaper than here yeah i, I definitely i think um i think i you mentioned to me before that you know again with ireland being such a a close market to the uk that sometimes we we kind of took it for granted and i think i i plagiarized you numerous times where you said that irish companies can often be very good at business development but we're not there in market to, to really close yeah. a sale out um yeah. and really make that lasting relationship so Definitely, I think that aspect of 
of, of being there in the market and having that 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 presence in the UK is really really important, particularly with with everything. Even though we're in a COVID pandemic, you know, Brexit's coming up and stuff like that, the, the ability to have that relationship and that that lasting presence is really important. And that's it. You're bang on. Like every like everyone will take a meeting with you, right? Like yeah. you know, and and the the Irish kind of diaspora and, and and network here is strong, so you'll get through the front door pretty much anywhere that, that, that you want in, 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 in most industries. But exactly that point, like if, you know, you can get a meeting and get people excited about what you're doing, but if you want the, the, the pounds, I was going to say the dollars, if you want the pounds to roll into your bank account, like the actual close is, is really important. And, and that's where they expect, okay, some presence so that they, you know, if it's an enterprise contractor, if it's you're doing a partnership with a big bank, you know, they want to know that if, if the proverbial hits the fan, that they can ring someone and yeah. it's a plus four four number that they're ringing, and that person is probably going to be able to come to the office the next day to to help solve things. So even just after sales support and care, and that feeling that there's someone you know nearby that you can talk to, like that goes a long way. Yeah, definitely. It's that that, that kind of trust and credibility. It really builds that. Um, yeah. Having the presence. Yeah. Um, super, Eamon. And I suppose finally, I might just touch on a, a bit of fundraising as well, kind of, I suppose, maybe because of your experience in it, and it's, it's so relevant to, to a number of, um, of tech companies. I, I know you developed a really great uh, workshop to to our companies on the Scale UK programme this year, but I might just, again, just one one or, or two max kind of top tips for, for a tech company looking to do a fundraise. So, so one or two things they should do, and maybe one or two things they should avoid uh, if you're looking at a fundraising process. Yeah, so I think I think one of the key things is my colleague Jenny Fielding did an amazing presentation on this that you can find on SlideShare. That's just how to build an investor pipeline, and I think that's one really important thing that 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 people should should do is you know you need to to think about who you're going to talk to, and and the the normal reaction that I get from companies is like, oh, you know, we're looking to raise. Can you? And then they'll send me a list of VCs, like just the names of the firms, and go, hey, can you introduce me to someone here? Right. And, and the reality is like that's that's probably not going to happen if you come to me and say, hey, I've, you know, I've got a gaming company. We're doing a million pounds a year in revenue. And I'd really like to talk to Paul at North Zone because he's built games companies before and understands the metrics, et cetera. You've done a bit of research. I'll, I'll make that introduction for you. If you come yeah. to me and say, hey, I've got a company and I, I'd like to talk to someone at North Zone, like you're kind of making me do work, which is if you're one of my portfolio companies, I'll do it, but I'll grumble about it. But if you're not, then it's, it's unlikely that, that I will. So build out an investor pipeline and do your research on the people in it so that you're not just saying, I want to talk to this fund. You're saying, I want to talk to this person at this fund because they've led this investment before. Their background is is A, B and, and, and C. And then, you know, I think the other thing is like, don't be afraid to sweat your your network, right? I mean, the, yeah. one of the mistakes I made as a founder was not asking enough people for help and not admitting when I didn't know what I was doing, which as it turns out was, was quite a lot of the time. Um, and I think, you, you know, there is a, a really strong Irish network here in 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 the UK. You know, you know, London Irish Business Society. There's Digital Irish. There's there's a bunch of of communities. And and if you look across big funds and big firms and and big companies and and successful startups, there is a substantial kind of thread of of kind of green woven woven throughout. Um, and so you know, build relationships with people before you come over because the best referral for a VC is is someone. That they that they've already invested in saying hey you should take a look at my friend's company i think they're great i think you'll really like them so i think that research and and, and asking questions piece is is incredibly important and then i think the other thing is like just be conscious of how much you want to raise if like you see a lot of companies coming in and going oh 
you know, I don't know how much I'm going to raise, like probably somewhere between A and B, you need to have in your head, like I'm a great believer that financial projections at pre-seed and seed stage are total works of fiction, right? It's just totally made up and total nonsense, right? You might as well think Harry Potter, the movie is a documentary, right? You can't predict how much money you're going to make because who knows if we're going to, you know, yeah. have a second wave or any of these things. What you should be able to tell me with pretty you know, gritty detail is how much money are you going to spend and what are you going to spend it on? Yeah. Right? And and be able to say, look, for you know, most funds and most angels will invest in a company so that they'll be that they'll you know it's enough money to keep them alive for the next 18 to 24 months. So that they have enough time to go out, test their products, make a couple of mistakes, learn from those mistakes, iterate and maybe relaunch if they have to, or you know, be successful the first time around and and, and grow from there, and then do another round of funding a year later when they've had uh, you know had a bit of success and, and give themselves six months to do that raise. So like, know how much you need, and then think about what would scenario two look like if you got fifty percent more than you needed, and then what would you know scenario three look like if if you doubled the amount of money that that you asked for? Because I think you know those are just basic kind of hygiene factors that um, that you should have in place. And then the, the one other thing that I would say is, you know, make sure that you have, I think, you know, everyone should have kind of three versions of their deck. So you have the very short kind of, you know, somewhere between eight and 10 slides of a kind of teaser that's just enough to get me excited to want a meeting. There's probably then a 12 or 15 slide deck that you present in a meeting that has more text and more detail and, and, and more data. And then you have a, a kind of, an appendix, a couple of appendix slides that, that you can refer to in the in the presentation. And then you have a kind of longer leave behind version that, that probably has a little bit more text in it. Um, and the reason you have that leave behind is that most VC funds, you know, one partner will be the person leading the conversation with you. And they then have to pitch your business to, to other partners. And so the leave behind version is a kind of cheat sheet for for them. So if you can, you know, get all of those ducks in a row and and get your your investor pipeline and start figuring out who can make intros for you. You're you're going to have a more successful outcome, uh, or at least a more successful process. I mean, the outcome is is in the lap of the gods. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, Evan. Well, uh, thanks for that. Some really great insights there. Um, some some great tips as well. And and I think you know not just for for startup companies. I think for for any company targeting in the UK, there's lots of great you know insights there i think the aspects of, of doing your research is just so important and i think you touched on it in, in most answers there um i think you know being coachable you mentioned that i think is really really important thing and then that aspect of, of of being present in the market and being being present to be able to build credibility and build trust i think they're all really relevant whether you're a, a pre-seed startup or, or an established company looking to further your your customer base so um, look, without without wanting to um, to pick the scab off uh, the, the the 2002 civil war, you know the the fail to prepare, prepare to fail kind of Roy Keane quote is uh, is is something that kind of keeps keeps coming uh, keeps coming back up. And I think regardless of whose side you were on back then, uh, I think the 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 kind of the truth behind those that sentence is uh, is 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 as true today as it uh, for for any sector as it was for. Saipan and uh, the World Cup. You're going to when we launch this. There's going to be a, a stream of comments underneath about the Mick McCann. <laughs> you know, so you've opened up a whole different can of worms there. Um, but no, but uh, just really thanks so much. Um, I think there's a lot there for, for people to listen to. But you know, as always, Amy, as I said, you've been a great friend to Enterprise Ireland, and uh, you know, thoroughly enjoyed having the conversation with you. So really, thanks very much for your time. And there's loads of stuff there. We'll, we'll probably put a few links in. 
at the end of the, the podcast on particularly some of the networks you mentioned there for companies listening in. And again, obviously links to, to Techstars for people to be able to keep on tabs of your upcoming programs. But um, Eamon, listen, thanks very much. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks a million for having me. And um, yeah, good luck to everyone who's listening in with their companies. And if I can be helpful, the good thing about being called Eamon Carey is I've got pretty good SEO, so I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> yeah, the inbox will be flooded now, Eamon. I can live with that. No worries. Eamon, gentlemen, as always, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Enterprise Ireland's Evolve UK podcast. For more information on Enterprise Ireland and our clients, please visit our website, follow us on LinkedIn, or subscribe to this podcast on your favourite podcast streaming platform.